great to be here. Um, if you ever come to the Hunter House, and you're all invited, not today, but some other time, um, we love to do a thing called meal questions. I don't know if you guys do this. You're sitting around at dinner, and you have a question that you ask, and everybody has to answer it. You guys ever do that? You guys do meal questions? Well, if you come to our house, we do that, and we'll ask you, actually, if you're a guest, we'll ask you the meal questions. We'll ask you loads of questions. We'll ask things like, what's your favorite movie? So you need to know that. Think about it ahead of time. Your favorite food, favorite holiday you've ever been on. That's a good one, right? My favorite holiday. You have to think about that for a little while. But one of the questions that um, we haven't asked, but we're going to, and I love it, is what is your best day? What's your best day ever? And that's one you'd have to do a little prep on, right? Best day ever. Because you'd be like, well, I got a lot of best days, right? And, and best days are kind of funny. There's, there's a few things about best days. Sometimes they're completely unexpected, right? You weren't thinking you were going to have a best day, but then somebody surprises you with a birthday party or they show up, somebody you haven't seen in years, and all of a sudden they show up and you're like, man, this is amazing. This is like the best day ever, right? Or sometimes the best day um, actually feels like the worst day in the beginning, and then it turns into something amazing, right? Right? And then sometimes the best day is the culmination of days and weeks and months and years of waiting for something, and it finally happening, right? So it's the best day at the end of a whole bunch of days, right? Well, well my, my story today, for me, is, is, a, is all three of those things. So I'll give you one of my best days. Is that okay? Is that good? You with me? All right. Thank you. Um, so I got married 21 and a bit years ago and um, loved being married. And then not long after we got married, we started talking about having a family. And um, you assume, at least I assume when you get married, that when, you, when you're ready to have a family, it'll just happen, right? You do the things you're supposed to do, and the things happen that are supposed to happen. It's a family service, so we'll leave it there. And, um, you, you know, that's the way it works. But then sometimes it doesn't work that way. And then you're thinking, this isn't happening, right? We've been waiting for this. And you try and you try and you go see people to see if they can help you out. And you pray. And then one day you take a test and finally you find out you're pregnant. You're like, oh, my goodness. And you're freaking out, right? freaking out. And then a few months go by, and then it gets to be the time, or close to the time, where this baby is supposed to be born. And um, for us, the baby wasn't due for about three more weeks. So here was the surprise. As I'm walking, and our dog and I come home one day, and I, uh, Bethann is at the top of the stairs when I walk in the house, and I'm like, she's like, Michael? I'm like, yeah? She's like, <laughs> I love it. Somebody just got tackled right in front of me. That was awesome. This is a full contact sport, people. When you're preaching, just buckle up. Who knows what's going to happen? Sorry. You can come back later. Um, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't distracted at all. I've got three kids. That's no big deal. Um, so I, I walk in the house, and Beth ends at the top of steps. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, Michael. I'm like, yes. Yeah. She goes, I'm leaking. Like a car? Is that what you mean, like a car? She's like, no, I'm leaking. I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, I have no idea. 
I'm thinking, if you don't know, we're in trouble. So I get on the phone, and I call the hospital, and I'm like, hey, my wife's leaking. They're like, from where? I'm like, please, people, come on. It's a family service. And um, I'm like, from there. So she's like, I'm like, so what does that mean? She goes, that means you're having a baby today. And we're three weeks away. You know, I still got three weeks of freedom, I thought. So we go to the hospital, and uh, we check in our room. We're at the Lister and Stevenage. Come on, a little plug for the Lister. Woo! And uh, we go in our little room, and they bring in, not a doctor. You know, I'm from America. We get doctors. No, no, a midwife. Awesome. I'm not down on midwives. I think that's brilliant. Just a shock. And uh, I go in, and she says, yeah, this is my first one ever to do it by myself. (laughs) I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? My first baby, your first baby. No, no. I'm like, go find the lady that's done 7,000 of these. I want her in here. She's like, I'm what you got. I'm like, oh, man, I'm freaking out a little bit. So then um, we start through the stuff, and, you know, Beth Ann is start. I was about to say, we were start pushing. We ain't pushing. She's pushing, and I'm praying. And she's holding my hand, and it's getting, it's hurt. But it's okay. Just do what you need to do, Beth Ann. And she's pushing. And they got a little monitor on her belly. These things crack me up. This little monitor to monitor the baby's heartbeat. You guys seen this? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. It's protruding greatly from the belly. And um, Beth Ann, as she begins to push, the baby's heartbeat goes down. And something's not right. So then um, this lady who, it's her first baby, gets another lady in who's done 7,000. And she, she's like, let me check out what's going on. And what's going on is that the baby supposed to be like this, head up, going out, let's head down. And, or the other way around, I don't know. It wasn't the right way, the correct way. I'm not looking. You know, I'm not going down there. Focused on the eyes. I'm running their eyes. And, um, but every time Bethann pushes, and she's pushing, and she's pushing for hours, it's, it's all of a sudden the baby isn't, the heart beats going down and down. So then, all of a sudden, it's like we're in ER. You ever seen that show, ER? So there's no longer just a midwife. The door bursts open. I'm not making this up. And like six people come in the room. They got machines, and there's stuff going on because they're getting scared that the baby is in trouble. And they burst in the room, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm standing next to Beth Ann. I can't stand next to Beth Ann anymore. I'm shoved to the back of the room in a corner. And I'm sitting there, and I'm scared to death, and I'm praying. And it's one of those moments where you're like, what is going to happen here? Right? And then this doctor, yep, a real doctor shows up, and he's in there, and he's cutting stuff, and there's blood. Sorry, small children, there's blood going on, and I'm really, really nervous. And I'm white as a sheet. I'm sitting down. I don't know what's going to happen. And um, finally, I hear music. It's actually not music, it's crying. But to me, it was music. And still to this day, babies crying just sounds like music to me. And I hear this baby crying. And it's my daughter, Madison, 13 years ago. 
And um, they put her right on top of Beth Ann, and she's holding her, and she's okay, and B.A.'s okay, and, and that means I'm okay. And here's a, here's a little picture of Maddie when she came out. I don't know if you can see the top of her head, but it was all bruised, purple. And um, we were a little bit like, is, is that going to always be there? I mean, is she going to have to be wearing hats a lot, or what's going on? And they're like, no, it'll go away in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a hat today. <laughs> she wears hats a lot. But it's not because it's purple up there. You can check later if you want. But I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? At that moment, I'm like, I don't care if it's purple, green, striped. doesn't matter. She's okay. She's alive. She's good. And, and uh, what was an unexpected scary, long-term, long-time-coming day was one of my best days ever because I couldn't wait to be a dad. I had prayed about it, thought about it for years and years, and I was so grateful that the Lord gave me a daughter, and then he gave me another one, and then a crazy son right there, yeah, who's dancing. Anyway, so that was one of mine. So if you invite me to your house and you say best day, boom, there's the story. But we're talking about not just a best day today, right? We're talking about the best day, the greatest day in history. That's the song we sang first, right? The greatest day in history. And what I love, and I thought about it this morning, is the story we're going to talk about, about Jesus. Ready for this? is being talked about today in every country on the planet Earth, right now. Every country on the planet Earth, one-third of every person on the planet Earth today is going to talk about this same story. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. In hundreds and hundreds of different languages, in thousands of different ways, the same story. So here it is, the quick recap. Jesus has been around, grown up, made disciples, and has been doing his ministry for several years, three, four years with his disciples, and the culmination of his ministry is finally happening. He's on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover, the biggest celebration the Jewish people had, right? And he's on his way there with his disciples, and they're coming into the city and there's a celebration. There we go. Look at that. I didn't paint that, by the way, if you're wondering. Somebody else did. But they did okay. I love the children in their underwear. That is brilliant. We could have picked a different picture, Andrew, but that's okay. It was good. So uh, he's coming in on this donkey, and it's a celebration. People are like, the Messiah is here. Jesus is here. And people are going crazy. He's coming into the city. And then, not that much longer, the rulers who are there, the, the religious leaders are saying, we got to get rid of this guy. Way too popular. And he's calling himself God. He says he's the son of God. Well, guess why he said he was the son of God? Because he is. But they didn't believe him. They thought he was a liar. They said he was blaspheming, which means he must die. So they were figuring out a way to kill him. And Jesus knew it. He knew what was coming. So then he has what they call the Last Supper. He gets with his, his men, 
Again, this picture cracks me up. Table for 12. Actually, we need a table for 24, but we're all going to sit on the same side. <laughs> it's like when you watch a TV show and they're all sitting around the table on one side. You're like, no one wants to sit on this side? Yeah, that's the side for the camera. Sorry. So they're all there. And I love this picture because Jesus knows what's about to happen. So there's two amazing things he does during this. One is, as we know, if you don't know the story, he washes their feet. He takes off his royal robes and he puts on the garment of a servant. And then he washes their feet. And then he looks at his disciples because he knows he's going to leave them soon. And he says, listen, powerful words. I'm not going to be around much longer. Here's what you need to know. You ready? Love each other. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, as you've seen me love you for all these past years. That's the way I want you to love each other. Remember that. And that was seared into their brain, right? And then that night he goes to pray, and he gets arrested and betrayed. And then he's beaten, he's mocked, he's laughed at, and ultimately he's hung on a cross to die. And he went there willingly. He went there on purpose. He went there to die for us. You see, we had rebelled against God, right? We had said, we don't need you anymore. No, thank you. We're going to do life on our own. And when sin, our disobedience, our rebellion entered the world, the relationship we had with God was broken. And somebody had to pay for the sin. Romans 6.23 says it like this. The wages or the payment of sin is death. Somebody had to die. And it was either going to be us or it's going to be somebody who could pay the payment for us on our behalf. And that was Jesus, the only perfect person who was also God. So he came and did this on purpose. And when we, we think about the cross, we need to remember that he chose the cross, that he went there willingly, and he stayed on the cross. Even when they mocked him and they said, hey, just come on down. The temptation could have been pretty great, but he stayed on the cross. He gave his life for us. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. But what I love is that's Friday. That's good Friday, right? We talk about it, and we say, why is it good? Well, it's good because of what Jesus did, but that doesn't seem that good. This seems like, this doesn't seem like the great part of a great story, does it? This seems like the sad, hard part. The Messiah is dead. Their hero is dead. But what's amazing and why we're here today and why millions of people around the world are celebrating is because it's not the end of the story. This is in Matthew, and it says this. The next day, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how this imposter, talking about Jesus, said, While he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. The word is out. Jesus said he's coming back. And even the religious leaders know this. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people that he is risen from the dead. So, 
They put a seal on the tomb. They put a giant rock in front of the tomb. They seal it with a seal, an official seal that can't be broken. So if the, if the stone is moved, the seal would be broken. And then they post guards in front of the tomb to make sure that nobody goes in. And the penalty to these guards, if they let anyone into this tomb, is death. So they're highly motivated to not let anybody in, right? You let somebody in, you die in his place. So they're not going to do it. But the story continues. Then it says this. Pilate said, you have a guard of soldiers. Go and make it secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, chapter 28. After the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went up to see the tomb. They were on the way to the tomb with spices and things that smelled good. Do you know why? Because when a body dies, it begins to decay and it smells bad. These, these odors start to come from the body and they don't want that to happen, so they want to make it beautiful. So they're on the way to the tomb to put these on them. But when they get there, there's a surprise that they did not expect. And then it says this, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the door descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and then sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Guys, this next sentence is the best. This is the culmination Right here, you ready? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Four words, ready? He is not here. He is not here. He's risen. He's alive. That's Easter. He's not here. He is alive. He had to die. But in order for us to understand that he was who he said he was, that everything he said we could trust and count on, that we could know that this life keeps going, that it just doesn't end here, he had to come back. And he did. The angel declared it to Mary, and she runs back with the other Mary to the disciples, and they tell him he's not there anymore. Jesus is alive. This is the best day ever. Amen. Yes, this is interactive, people. You can amen, you can shout, you can do whatever you want to do. We can tackle people up here more. That's fine. This is interactive. Think about that for a second. They think Jesus is dead, but he's not dead. And then they see him. He shows up in the room. They're eating fish with him. He's hanging out with hundreds of people. They see him Again and again, even Thomas, who's doubting, he's like, stick your hands in here, Thomas. He's alive, and he does this on purpose. So nobody can doubt it. Nobody can dispute it. Nobody can say it was faked. He's alive. So what does this do for us? What does this matter to us? Well, if you are a person who doesn't know Jesus... If you're here today because somebody said, hey, come with me to church, it's Easter Sunday, here's what you got to know. Jesus paid the price that you couldn't pay, that I couldn't pay, so that we could have life forever. 
life forever. Jesus is alive right now, and he's saying, you can be with me forever. Right? I can remember, I still remember, 21 years old, I'm in university, and I go to this um, music conference thing where this guy's up preaching, and he says this. He says, if you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity if you were to die tonight? You guys ever heard that question before? If you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend the rest of eternity? And I thought to myself, I have no idea. I have no idea. I grew up going to church. I listened to hundreds of sermons and fell asleep through most of them. Right? And I had no idea. He said, do you want to know? And I was like, yeah, I want to know. Tell me. He said, here's what you need to know. You place your faith in Jesus who gave his life for you. You say to him, I need you. I want you. I trust you for my life, and I want to follow you the rest of my days. He said, then you will be saved. They call Jesus a Savior because he saves. Matter of fact, the na- his name, Jesus, means the one who saves. Right? That's what Easter is. The opportunity, the realization that I can't fix life. I can't figure it all out. He already has. And he's saying, if you don't know me, come on. Say yes. So I remember as a 21-year-old going down the aisle at our church. And then he said, "Um, prayer doesn't save you. It's the acknowledgement of what's in your heart that saves you. But if you want to pray with me, just pray with me. You see, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But then it finishes with this. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And when you place your faith, your trust in him, then you will be saved. Right? Amen? Amen. So I prayed a prayer that day. And I'm going to pray that prayer today, right now. That if you're sitting there and you're like, I've grown up going to church. I've been in church my whole life, but I've never done this. If you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. I don't know if I'm saved. I have no idea. Well, you can know right now. That's what I did. So I'm just going to say a simple prayer. We're all going to close our eyes and pray. And if you want to pray, maybe for the first time to say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I trust Jesus. Then you can do it today. Is that okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I trust you. Please save me. I want to follow you the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. My wife, um, Bethann, uh, uh, has a habit that I love. She asks me every now and then, is everything going to be okay? You guys ever do that? When things are a little weird, things aren't going quite how we're expecting them to go, feel lonely or you're running out of money or your hard stuff's happening in life, you ever ask that question, is everything going to be Okay. And she looks at me and she says, is everything going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Do you know why I can say that with all of my heart? 
because I know Jesus and because he's alive and because he's good and faithful and real and powerful and he's with us right now? Is everything going to be okay? Yeah, everything's going to be okay. Is everything gonna, does that mean things aren't going to be hard? No, things are going to be hard. This week, I went to um, see a friend of mine in Chichester who has two daughters. One's 14 and one's 12. And um, five years ago, their 12-year-old, who was at seven, found out she had a brain tumor. And um, last month, they buried her. And I went to just spend time with them. But you know what they have that we all need? They have hope that she's okay, that she's with Jesus, and they're going to see her again one day. Man, if you are a believer in here today, if you love Jesus with your heart, you know what we need to be reminded about in Easter? Is we have hope that we need to tell other people about, that we need to live out in our own lives Man, I'm with, I'm with this couple this week, and they have hope, and they have joy, and they're okay. It's hard, and it's scary, but they're okay because Jesus is real, and he's alive, and he's good, and he's with us. Amen. Listen, if you pray to prayer today for the first time, when we're done today, I'm going to be over here by the couches lying down. No, I won't be lying down. <laughs> and there'll be other people over there to pray. When the service is done, just come over and talk to us. Let us know if you did or not. Is that okay? Or if not us, if we're too scary, talk to somebody that you came with and let them know. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to sing. That's good. I like singing. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today for the reminder that you are with us and everything's going to be okay because you are alive and you are real and you are good and you are with us. God, I pray for anyone who's here today who's maybe hearing this for the first time and wondering how in the world do I respond to this? What do I do? That they would just simply say, I trust you. I, I, I need you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you with my life. And for those of us who know you already, that maybe we're going through hard stuff, that we would be reminded it's going to be okay, that you are with us. There is hope. There is everlasting, always eternal life with you. And we're so grateful for it. And God, I pray that Easter spurs us on to remind the world that Jesus is absolutely alive. And you are moving and you change lives every day. And you are good. We pray this in your name. Amen.